Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today our topic is In a Runner's Kitchen. We're going to go behind the scenes in our home kitchens and share with you some aspects of our kitchen setup. We do this so that we're always prepared and able to rust up meals and snacks to support a healthy life and optimise our training and results. We hope you'll join us today and that you'll get some tips and advice that are going to help you too. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance and especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Aileen, as always. How are you today, Aileen? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I'm fine. Good. Is the sun shining up in Newcastle? Uh, not today, I'm afraid. No. It's a little bit grizzly and rainy. We've missed the, way- the heat wave that everybody's talking about, so I don't know. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's grey here as well um, today. It's been beautiful, I have to say, but today it's 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 a bit overcast. But anyway, as always, uh, we're going to begin by sharing with you all something personal about our running and nutrition. So, Aileen, as we're going to be in the kitchen today... Could you tell us when you first got into cooking and when you first became a foodie? Well, it started really as a teenager, sort of probably about 14, 15 years old. And uh, my grand bought me a subscription uh, to a weekly cookery magazine. So it used to arrive every weekend and it built up into sort of a compendium of, of recipes. And it really ignited my love of cooking. So, you know, I used to make things for the family and, uh, you know, really enjoyed that. And then, um, then I decided that I wanted to go to catering college. So that's what I did and, uh, and went onwards to have a career in the hospitality industry. So food's been part of my life really for a long, long time. And, um, and I get a real buzz out of it. I, you know, I love food. I love lovely ingredients. I love shopping for them. And I really like creating uh, meals, you know, everyday meals as well as meals for entertaining. Um, and I particularly like to make things super quick and easy. So, you know, if I get a complicated recipe, try to make it simple. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's where I started. What about you, Karen? When did you get into food? 
Well, I have to say, Aileen, that I'm not quite like you. I'm not such a great cook. And I've been up and experienced your uh, culinary skills and they are wonderful. And the presentation as well is always so beautiful. But I'm afraid I'm not quite so talented in, in, in that area. I do love cooking, but it's not a natural talent of mine. You know, I've got to follow a recipe, although I am happy to adapt a recipe to to my taste or to the ingredients that I have in the house. Um, but it doesn't come naturally. Um, and, and actually when I, when I've got the time, I do love to explore new recipes. I've got a, a, a great, an extensive range of, of recipe books to help me in the kitchen, but I do need their help. Um, and I have to say that for me, probably the flavors from Ottolenghi's recipes would, would be my favorite. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites too. And I think you're underselling yourself, Karen, because I've had some lovely meals with you too. And I think you, you always put a lovely table of food together. So, uh, you're very kind. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, moving on. So, um, so today our topic is all about being in a runner's kitchen. So we'll be going behind the scenes in our home kitchens and sharing with you all some aspects of our kitchen setup. So that helps us always be prepared and able to rustle up meals and snacks to to support a healthy life, but also to optimise training and results. So hopefully you will all be enthused by the end of this one. So in episode 16, we did cover smart food preparation for runners. And there we looked at getting organised, shopping time and kitchen preparation ideas. So today what we're going to talk about is more about creating a healthy environment and um, some ideas for larder essentials and then go on to look at healthy fast food styles of cooking and of food preparation. So Aileen, we're going to start off and um, talking about creating a healthy food environment. Can you explain a bit more about what that is and why it's important? Yeah, well, I think anyone wanting um, to improve the health and, and wanting to be their best for health and the running requires to have the best food available. So you need to really to have everything at your fingertips, easily accessible. And, and a healthy food environment is about the quality of your food, the provenance of the food, how it's stored and looked after, how it's prepared how you cook it and how you eat it. And um, if you do all of those things in the best possible way, um, the food arrives on your plate uh, with the best possible nutrient value and that's going to help um, everything. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. And and what should people be concerned about regarding the, the quality and provenance? Well, it's really about knowing where your food was grown or caught or raised, if it's um, if it's an animal um, food, um, how it was produced, how it was transported. And all of that really adds up to good food safety. Um, obviously, the quality is going to be good and the nutritional value will be, you know, of a high value. Um, so my approach is to buy real food uh, and minimize or eliminate the amount of processed foods uh, that I eat. And I always say to people, if you look at a label of food, if it reads like a scientific list, um, it's likely to be full of additives and preservatives. So that's a really easy way of sifting out uh, real food from the processed foods. And ideally, if you're buying, um, you know, when you're reading the labels, look for things like grass fed, free range, organic, line caught, caught of its fish. Um, and also I, I tend to prefer to buy locally produced or regionally produced foods because 
again, it tends to be less highly processed if it's, you know, come from a farmer's market or, um, you know, a specialist shop. It tends to be less highly processed. Mm. And that all sounds really good, Aileen, but does having that approach take up a lot of time sort of choosing and purchasing your food? No, not necessarily. Um, I think just by choosing reputable suppliers, uh, they'll have already done the quality checks for you. Um, so as I said, I do a lot of my fresh food shopping locally and I'm quite lucky. I've got a local greengrocer and butcher. And because I live relatively near the coast, there are some really good fish supplies as well. Um, and then when I'm doing sort of online shopping or, you know, for dry goods, I tend to use, um, you know, good quality health food shops or some of the supermarkets are good too. Um, and there are lots of organic box deliveries available. So, you know, you can, you can make it easy for yourself just by choosing really good suppliers, I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting, Alien. And what I would say, yeah, my principal shop is is at our local Waitrose. Um, and what I, what I like about them is that um, for for you know for some people they might not have the local the butcher and fishmonger and things like that. And and I know that with Waitrose they do try and stock some produce from from local farmers, local dairies, other local producers, um, which I really like and I try to um I try to purchase. And clearly they also have the general commercial products and, and sort of products coming in from abroad but they do have some more local ones but but you have to be discerning you know it's a limited stock but at least it's there and I think a lot of supermarkets are sort of trying to to introduce that um, approach as well now and I also have a regular river food veg box just again to support small small companies it comes to the door and also I know that they're using uh, local producers as well and I and I tend to get their free-range eggs as well because I I I I really um I like the philosophy of Riverford, so I tend to feel that the products are, are really good. Um, we do have a local butcher here. We are lucky. We've got a lot of little, um, like you said, local suppliers, and we've got a butcher and a fishmonger. They're not places that I tend to go to, but only because um, um, I'm vegetarian, so I don't need to. But, you know, I hear from my neighbours and friends that the quality is is far superior to a lot of other places. Mm. So, um, just thinking about what we've spoken about, Aileen, what else would you say we should take into account regarding a healthy food environment? Well, I think another aspect to consider is how your food is packaged. So, uh, many of us, I think, are really concerned about environmental issues. So, that um, drives, you know, us to reduce the amount of packaging. But I think we've got to also be aware that there are potential contamination issues to our foods regarding packaging, particularly from plastics. So, you know, if you can buy things that are unpackaged, that would really help or use um, paper bags when you're, you're shopping. That would be really, really helpful. So like in my green grocer, it's just it's an old fashioned brown paper bag place. Um, and the butcher I go to, they they usually suggest that you bring your own container. So they will weigh out whatever you need and you can put it in your own container to take home. So that kind of thing, I think, really, really helps. And what about yeah. you, Karen? Is there anything that you do uh, particularly to create this sort of healthy environment? 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to put that question back to you, Aileen, first, because you're the guru in the kitchen, and maybe you could um, you could tell us what you do in your kitchen to create a healthy environment. Okay, <laughs> I'll <sit> back. <laughs> okay, so yeah. um, I think you know as well as being as well as being particular about the quality of my food, um, I think that creating a healthy food environment for yourself is all about having healthy food front and center. So by that, I mean, it's the first thing you see in the fridge, the freezer, the larder. And, and that really encourages you to choose the right foods. And I know that for, for a lot of people, it's not possible to have 100% healthy foods in the kitchen. But I would really encourage people to have at least 80% healthy foods available and store the less healthy options out of sight. So for example, in, in my larger, I've got a, a box full of the stuff that I don't use every day, but I know it's there if I need it. So it might be, you know, ingredients for things that, um, that there isn't a healthier alternative for, or maybe it's things like jams and ketchup and sugary foods that other people, you know, friends and family might want occasionally, but it's not something that I use every day. Uh, and I've even, uh, some of my clients, I've, I've heard talking about having a drawer in the freezer that they put things in. Maybe it's like the ready meals or the um, more junk food types of things. Uh, and one of my one of my clients calls it the party food drawer. So it's where the pizza and the pastry sort of items are that you know they'll use occasionally but not not every day so that's that's what i would do and um yeah i think that would be a big part of creating a healthy food environment yeah absolutely some great ideas there alien and you you say that you encourage your clients to have at least 80 percent healthy foods available in this in the store cupboard how do your clients tend to feel about making that big change to 80% healthy food? Because that's quite a big leap. Um, yeah, it can feel like a big step. And uh, I think there are sort of two approaches you can take. The first one is just to think, right, I'm going to have a massive clear out and I'm going to remove all the unhealthy foods. Um, and then I'm starting, you know, from scratch. And the other is really to make it make the swaps gradually. So, you know, they might decide that next time they, when they've used something up, they're going to swap it to a, a healthier option. Um, I've got to say, I, I prefer the massive clear out approach because it, I think it really sets the scene and creates momentum if people are, um, you know, if they've got a particular health goal in mind and, and they want to make uh, a big step change. And, and sometimes people need help to do this. So, you know, I, I've coached people in person to do that and help them sort out their kitchen if that's what's been needed. Or I might have even coached people online to get that job done in a day. I think it's good to set a, an amount of time to do it because it can feel a bit overwhelming. So if you just think, right, I'm setting the clock for however many hours, you know, it might be two or three hours and you can just blitz it. That, that works quite well. And mm -hmm. um, I did a challenge a while ago, which was uh, clean your fridge out after Christmas. And, um, that was quite a good fun thing to do. It was a Facebook challenge and everybody posted photographs of their lovely, um, tidy fridges <laughs> after Christmas. Mm. So that was, uh, that was a fun thing to do. Yeah, and so, do you, so Karen, now I'm going to put you on the spot. So what, <laughs> what tips have you got, uh, to keep a healthy environment in the kitchen? Okay. Oh, Ailey. Well, thinking about your comment, actually, about um, storage of food, I do um, tend to use glass containers um, in the kitchen, glass jars, glass um, storage containers. I tend to use also those 
beeswax wrappers rather than cling film and silicon bags rather than um, plastic bags. Also, I do tend to have quite a vast range of different size of storage containers for putting in, putting food in the freezer or in the fridge, actually, um, for either individual portions or for bulk items that I've maybe done a big, a big uh, cooking session and then I can put, pop it on in the freezer. Um, I try to, to minimize the plastics as, as much as I can regarding packaging and storage. And I do tend, like you were saying, um, when I go to the supermarket, even I'll either buy the, the loose vegetables, because there seems to be more loose vegetables around now in the, in the, um, supermarkets. Or if they've got paper bags, I'll, I'll use that. And I also avoid, um, using a microwave. We haven't had a microwave in the house for. God, I think about 20 years because I know that they they can reduce the nutritional value of food. Mm. Yeah, I'm like you. I, when I had my kitchen redone about 10 years ago, I decided that that was the time to get rid of the microwave, which caused mm. a bit of um, consternation amongst friends and family. But uh, it's sort of you, you really do get used to not having it and it's not essential. No, not at all. Mm. No, not at all. Okay, so Ailey, just to kind of do a quick recap of of um, what we've spoken about so far, you've given us lots of really great ideas of how to create a, a healthy food environment, thinking about the quality of our food and also about using um, reputable suppliers. These are all really great um, ideas for people to go away with. We've also looked at considering how our food is packaged and also how we store it in our in our own homes, in our own kitchen. I really love the idea of a kitchen clear out from time to time and your Christmas challenge sounded like a lot of fun. I could have I would have enjoyed that. So so Aileen, um just thinking about what we've spoken about, if someone was to go with the idea of having 80% healthy foods, what would you suggest? Well, I think before you start shopping, um, it's a really good idea, uh, particularly as a runner, to connect with why you're doing this and what are your health goals and what are your running goals. Um, so if I can pick up on what you said right at the beginning of our conversation, Karen, you said we're doing this so that we're always prepared and able to rustle up meals and snacks to support a healthy life and also to optimize our training. So I think if you if you always think about this as the reason why you're doing it, um, that it's just a big why and it helps you do it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so so what we should be thinking about are what foods are delivering our macronutrients, so protein, carbohydrates and fats, as well as a range of micronutrients to fuel our energy production, as well as promoting a healthy immune and digestive system. Yeah, and I think just to pick up on that is, is also about, you know, you're putting the positive things in, but you're eliminating the negative things. So the things that we would maybe describe as anti-nutrients, you know, so the mm. things that are working against that. Um, and, and obviously we're focusing on everyday healthy nutrition and, and what we require for our training. And, and, and I think another important aspect is how it fits in with our lifestyle. So we, we teach this uh, to our clients as part of Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners, the, the online program. Um, and we, we help people work out, you know, whatever their lifestyle is, that you can have a healthy eating approach. Um, so it's not necessarily something that you need to have lots of time for. There are sort of tips and hacks that will help you get what you require um, 
to fit in with your lifestyle. But if we assume that, you know, everybody listening to this knows what their, their goals are from a health and running perspective, um, we can then sort of move on to talk about what's, what foods we think would be important to have available. Yeah. So, so what are your go-tos to rustle up healthy meals to support your running, running Aileen? And if we think about each meal, let's start with, with breakfast first. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit of a creature of habit when it comes to breakfast. Um, so I'll do, I tend to do, if I do a short early morning run, I'll do it in a fasted state and then I'll probably eat breakfast around 10 o'clock. Um, typically I'll have eggs and a green juice or maybe a protein smoothie. But if I'm doing a longer endurance run and I need to eat before I go for my run, um, I'll tend to have something like overnight oats and that would be made with porridge oats, chia seeds, some kind of nuts, usually almonds, um, maybe a handful of berries. Um, and I tend to go for a non-dairy milk to go with that. And I'll make that up the night before and then it's ready for me to eat when I get up in the morning. Um, so I think the things that I would say I'm never without, you know, that would always be in my kitchen would be eggs, porridge oats, um, a selection of nuts and seeds. I always have frozen uh, fruit in the freezer. So my favorites are um, frozen berries, so things like a forest fruit mix is a good one. Um, I like um, morello cherries and also mango. Um, and sometimes I'll also freeze, um, I'll cut bananas up into quarters and I'll have them in a, in a box and then they're really helpful just to add to a protein drink um, because I don't want to have too many carbs in that, but I like the taste of the banana, so that's quite a nice thing to do. Um, I always have a plain protein powder, I tend to go for a natural one that's unflavored. And then for my juices, it's rare that you wouldn't find uh, things like cucumber, celery, lemon, always have fresh ginger, some spinach and apples. So they're like my staples for a, a green, a green juice. Um, so that's what you'll find in my breakfast <laughs> kitchen. Mm. And what about you, Karen? Have you got any top breakfast ingredients? Yeah, actually, Elaine, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking the idea of your green juice, you know, with the cucumber, the celery, the lemon and ginger. It all sounds very zingy and fresh and, yeah, and appealing. Yeah, mm. yeah. And very energizing. It just sounds energizing, actually. It does, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I do other juices, but there's nothing like that green juice. Yeah. It just hit the spot. Mm, absolutely. Well, thinking about my top ingredients, Aileen, they're, they're, they're quite similar to you. So, for example, it would be if I'm running, it would be an oat based breakfast. And I tend to enjoy um, nut butter in amongst that, especially if I've made porridge, because it just kind of melts through the porridge. And I really like that that combination. Or again, like you, I might do overnight oats with um nuts and seeds and then top it up with maybe some yogurt or kefir in the morning and then on um more training days as in strength training days i would look at having a an egg-based breakfast um and or a protein powder and the protein powder i do like to put some turmeric in that and also berries as well just to give it a a bit of flavor so so yeah, oats, nut butter, again, it tends to be hazelnut butter or almond butter. 
eggs and then clearly I'll, I'll have some um, sort of breakfast vegetables with that breakfast vegetables I, I always imagine being the likes of spinach and mushrooms and tomatoes and rock and my they are my breakfast veg so I'll have that with it so that would be that would be my go-to breakfast so let's move on and just have a quick look at lunch what what would be on your plate for lunch yeah well if it's a sort of a regular business work day I tend to have lunch about two o'clock and then dinner about six so I try to follow a 16-8 time restricted eating plan doesn't happen every day but I, you know that's what I, I aim for um, so usually I'm quite busy during the day and um, so lunch has to be quick so typically it would be a, sta- a salad type of lunch or maybe a hearty bowl of soup and if I'm really super busy it might be a protein shake but usually I'll think ahead. And if I know that my timetable is tight and I'm going to have to go for the protein shake, then I'll have a larger breakfast um, so that the smoothie is sort of um, still sustaining, but it's not maybe the full size of a meal. Um, and I think what, what usually helps me um, is if I do some lunch prep ahead. So even if I'm home working, I'll try to make my lunch up early in the morning um, so that it's sort of a grab and go lunch and I don't have to spend any time making it um, when I'm busy and and some weeks I'll also do sort of what I call a a bit of a prepare ahead spell so I'll maybe make some food that gives me a sort of a pick and mix option in the fridge um, so it'll maybe keep me going for two or three days so I'll do things like I'll cook my proteins so things like chicken or salmon or eggs and I'll have some boxes of chopped up fresh salad vegetables and maybe a tray of uh, roasted vegetables Um, and perhaps I'll also have some cooked quinoa rice or lentils and then all I need to do then is open the fridge and you know take a bit out of each box to make up my sort of plate balance salad so that's uh, I find that really is a big time saver Um, and it just uh, it just makes life easy. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that idea of the boxes of prepared salads and proteins in the fridge. And then you just can kind of rustle them up, put them all together. And voila, you've got a really healthy, quick lunch. Um, and you mentioned about this um, hearty bowl of soup. And I'd be really interested to know what's in your hearty bowls of soup, really. Yeah, well, I tend to try and make it a meal in a bowl. Um, so there'll be a base of vegetable soup and then I'll add my protein. So that could be cooked chicken or maybe lentils or tofu or maybe it'll be beans or chickpeas, something easy, again, easily available. Um, and a big handful of greens. So it might be spinach or kale or maybe some chopped up bro- broccoli. Um, so what you, you get with that is you're getting your carbs, your protein and your greens all in one bowl. Um, and I, what I tend to do is I'll make a big pot of soup every week um, and portion it up into one portion sizes um, and put them in the freezer. So that I tend to usually on a Saturday, I'm clearing out all the vegetables that haven't been used up during the week and I'll make just a, you know, any kind of soup that, <laughs> that they can make. Um, but I, I think if I've got any favorites, it would be I like a lentil soup. I love a mix of cauliflower and broccoli as a base. Um, and I also really like beetroot soup. So um, that tends to be one that's a bit more specific. So I'll make it with, usually I use vacuum packed beetroot. So again, it's like a fast thing to do. And I'll 
chop up a cooks um or chop up a bake not not sort of what kind of apple it's like a cooking apple the kind that you would make in an apple pie that kind Mm. of tart apple Mm. and i'll also add a can of coconut milk and that's a lovely um comforting uh delicious soup um really really easy to make um the other thing that i like to do is with a leftover curry so if it's like a vegetable curry or maybe a chicken curry uh when there's something you know something left over in the pot after dinner i'll make that into a soup so i'll add some extra stock or a coconut milk to thin it out into a soup and then i'll freeze that into one pot one portion pots as well so that's uh, a nice thing to do yeah that's uh, that all sounds really lovely Eileen. i love the sound of the co- the um beetroot apple and coconut soup and then the idea of using leftover curry and changing that into a soup that just it's like an aha moment you know it's like such a an easy thing to do as well, just to add more stock, thin it down, and you've got a really nice spicy soup. I'll have to yeah, try and that. it just it feels, I don't know, it just feels a really nice, comforting thing to exactly. have as well. Yeah, really mm. warming. So what would be the foods in your kitchen that you couldn't live without for lunches? Uh, well, I think if you open my fridge on any day of the week, you'd find uh, there'd be salad leaves, there'd be spinach, there's usually some kind of crunchy veg like uh, pepper, celery, cucumber, spring onions, that kind of thing. Um, I always have lemons and limes in, uh, mostly for adding to dresses and also we'll put them in juices and smoothies because I like the zinginess of the citrus taste. Um, cottage cheese is a staple for me. So that's always there. Um, and as I said, the weeks that I go into preparation mode, um, there'll be some prepared boxes of different things. And then if you looked in my store cupboard, you'd see olive oil uh, for dressings. I usually have some tins of fish because I find that is, again, real fast food. So sardines, mackerel, anchovies, they're either, you know, you can top them on a salad or you can whip them up into a pate very quickly to put with an oat cake, something like that. Um, and then you'll find cartons of you know, beans, chickpeas, sachets of cooked lentils and quinoa. So again, you know, you just literally have to snip them open and either add them to the soup, put them in a salad, whisk them up into a into a dip or a, a pate. Um, and as I said, if you look in the freezer, there's the soup pots and the bags of frozen fruits. And I do have some frozen vegetables in there that are quite helpful too. So what about you, Karen? What what What's your typical lunch? What do you make? Well, like you, Aileen, it does tend to, to be or need to be really quick and easy um, because life, especially during the week, is really busy. So I always tend to have jars of chickpeas and butter beans in the cupboard and also the packets of lentils and quinoa and brown rice that you've just spoken about as well because they are so great. Um, just for um, using as a base for a salad, putting in soups and things like that. And probably I don't eat or make soup enough because soup is such a hearty meal and really easy to make. And you're kind of inspiring me as you speak about the mealy to, 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 to go back to, to making more soups. But for me, it tends to just be a salad I have at lunchtime. Like you, I tend to have cottage cheese, or so maybe that's very easy to add as a as an added uh, protein source, or I'll have tofu that I will top things with, or maybe an egg, um, poached egg or boiled egg that I'll add to the top. So it just uh, it does tend to be the 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 legumes 
the different colours of vegetables and then an extra protein source on top. And if I've really got no time, it does tend to be a protein powder. And then I'll add bits and pieces to that to just try and make it more nutrient dense. So I'll add some vegetables, some fruit, uh, maybe some flaxseed, coconut butter, things like that. So so those would be my um, go-tos. So Aileen, what would... Um, yeah, so just moving on, um, from a runner's perspective, Aileen, why is it so important to get lunch right, do you think? Well, I think if you're an early morning runner, and I think you and I both tend to be like that, it's it, lunch is a really a great opportunity to replete and recover. And if you're an evening runner, it's a perfect opportunity to fuel correctly for your next run and give your digestive system time to do its job. So if you have a really good lunch, um, and then you're planning to go out for a run in the evening, your digestive system will have processed that fuel um, so that you're ready for your run. And I think, you know, if you're a working woman or your family are out of ho the home during the day, it, lunch is a meal that you can really dedicate to yourself and you can choose what you want to eat without accommodating other people. Um, so it's a real perfect opportunity to get your nutrition right, I think. Um, I don't know whether you'd agree with that, Karen. Yeah, no, I I do, Aileen, and I think it is a time when um, if the family are out for the home during the day, then you've got time to yourself to make it very um, specific to your needs as a runner rather than trying yeah. to accommodate the whole family. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, if you are going out to work, it's your chance to have your packed meal that you've taken with yeah. you and you've, you've got that too yeah. so so let's uh let's move on to running snacks karen what do you have at your fingertips uh for the pre during and post running snacks oh alien so for pre-exercise for me it's usually um an early morning um run so it'll be overnight oats so if I'm going out for a long run like you were saying earlier Aileen if it's a short run then I'll go in the fasted state um, running and then have something when I come back um, if it's a longer run then I'll have pre-prepared my overnight oats or I'll have a quick porridge in the morning um, and if I if if it was a longer run, so above 90 minutes, for existence, for example, later in the day, I'd plan two hours ahead, eat my breakfast two hours ahead, um, and maybe think about there having a slice of wholemeal toast with maybe cream cheese or cottage cheese. Like I said, I've always got cottage cheese in the, in the fridge, or maybe a small rice pudding with stewed apples, something like that beforehand um then 30 30 minutes before i'd have a quick release carbohydrate snack so um uh, the easiest way really that 30 minutes before the easiest sort of snack for me would be about maybe having a, a banana maybe half a banana even would be enough at that point of time for me or maybe a few chunks of pineapple or mango. So it does depend what sort of training I'm doing. Um, but it's it does tend to be either the the overnight oats or the toast with cheese and then oh. that quick um release snack just before I go. Okay. And what about um during training, Karen? Do you have a stock of, of things that you have available to 
take with you whilst whilst you're training, if, if, particularly if it's a long endurance run? Yeah, I do. I have a cupboard in the kitchen for training snacks, so I know it's always there for me. So I'll have things like medjool dates, um, raisins. I, I, I tend to have um, some homemade bars. I try and have some available, but if not, then I will, I will always have some of the commercial ones at hand just to stand by. So I'm thinking of the mule bars, the Velaforte bars and the tribe bars would be my three favorite ones. I don't tend to use gels much. Um, but, but I, but on saying that, I do quite like the, the Huma gels. They're just sort of fruit with some chia seeds in them. And then the honey stinger and, and the Ellis kitchens pouches as well, because it's just pure pureed fruit. So, um, so those would be my go-tos. Great. And I, th- I think it's great to have uh, a space in the kitchen that's just dedicated to your snacks and hopefully the rest of the family keep their hands off them. Yes. Yeah. What about, um, do you do anything different on race days? And I'm thinking really about the longer ultra run distances, Karen. Yes, I would say probably in those ultra, ultra runs, I tend to take extra food with me. Um, just I might not always need it, but I do. I do take them with me. I'll maybe prepare a sandwich um, or a wrap that I can either stop and eat or eat on the run. And if I'm honest, I don't really like to stop. Uh, running during any race uh, so I do need to be able to eat something that's easy to carry and easy to access from my pack and then um, and clearly easy to eat whilst I'm still running and I do find that that a, a sandwich or a wrap is um, is the easiest for me and and again the fillings I have to be very mindful of to ensure that and I would say this for anybody else thinking about it just be mindful of the the fillings that you put in so that it's not going to cause any digestive issues especially on such a long run so practice and training yeah yeah definitely and and I think like you say it's it's about practicality as well as as well as digestion isn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. And what about post-training, Karen? Have you got any favourite ways to fuel your recovery? Yeah, well, post-training, I do tend to try and keep it super simple. So within 30 minutes of finishing my training run or a race, I'll have some, maybe some dried fruits such as raisins, dates, dried apricots, or if it's practical, um, a, a spoonful of honey or some fresh fruit like a, a banana or some mango and these foods are all really quick release carbohydrates. So that really helps to optimize my, my glycogen stores after that endurance on. So really trying to replete it really quickly. Then what I'll do is following maybe about one to two hours, I'll have a carbohydrate and protein combined snack. So looking at it really in a combination of four to one carbohydrate to protein just so that I'm starting to introduce the protein, but I'm still keeping the carbs uh, intake high um, for for that glycogen repletion. Um, if it's in between meal times, I m- may think about having a protein smoothie or maybe a sandwich, sort of thinking about using wholemeal bread with some protein, again, like cottage cheese as a filling. Um, if you're if if you're not a veggie, then you could have something like um, chicken or smoked salmon instead of the of the cottage cheese. Um, and then if the timing 
coincides with a meal, um, I'd be more likely to have something like a, a jacket potato with a, a protein filling or maybe thinking about eggs or beans on toast and then and then having a, a salad with that just to keep it sort of nutrient dense. Brilliant. Thanks, Karen. That's uh, some really helpful insights there. And I'm just thinking that, you know, if anybody would like some more tips about fueling, um, you know, pre, during and post, you might want to have a look at our free guide, which is top running snacks and nutrient timing to fuel peak performance. And we share lots of ideas and suggestions um, in that guide. So all you need to do if you'd like that is head over to our website uh, which is runnershealthhub.com. And if you look in the top menu bar, there's something that says nutrition guide. If you click on there, um, you, all you need to do is um, add your email address and we'll send it over to you. And so all of the things that Karen's mentioned there are um, highlighted in that document. And it's a, a, an easy way just to refer to um, going forwards. Mm. Thanks, Aileen. So, so, so far we've covered breakfast, lunch and running snacks. Um, and we hope that gives you some ideas for, for your larder essentials as well. Before we move on to, um, to speak about healthy fast food styles of cooking and food prep, we're just going to take a quick advert break and then, um, speak about that. So over to you, Aileen. Right. Thanks, Karen. So this is the, the point in the uh, in the show where we tell you a little bit about what Karen and I are doing outside of, of the podcast. So um, if you've been uh, listening to us for a while, you know that uh, our business is Runners Health Hub, and that's where Karen and I offer a range of services to help you be a fitter, faster, stronger runner. Uh, and today, what we'd like to do is invite you to register for our next free uh, challenge. So it's a free five-day challenge. Uh, and the reason this has come about is that many women have told us that they'd love to have a healthy food plan to support their energy and recovery for their running and their racing, but they don't have time. And we think this is a really common problem and it's one that is very easily solved. Um, so we've got some exciting news to share with you today. Uh, we're, we're going to help you find the time and all you need to do is register for the, the next uh, free five-day challenge, uh, which is going to reveal to you how a super busy female runner can start to find time to have a healthy runner's food plan. And all you need to do is follow our easy nutrition, make it happen planner. And we're going to take you through that over a course of five days. And we'll teach you the steps um, live. And um, it's going to all start happening on Monday, the 12th of October. So if you'd like a place on the challenge, um, you'll need to register before the 10th of October. Uh, we've designed some super easy steps to share with you during the challenge. And if you'd like to register, if you go to the top of the show notes, um, you will see the link. And uh, if you can't find it there, just message us on Facebook or email us um, at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll, uh, we'll share that link with you and then you can get registered. So don't put it off. Uh, make sure you save your place today. And if you are listening to this uh, at some point in the future and you've passed um, the October deadline, um, just send us a note because we I'm sure we'll we'll do it at some point in the future um, or we'll, we'll have other challenges because we like doing the challenges and we get lots of good feedback on them. So, uh, so yeah, thanks. We'll hopefully see you all there. 
Great. Thanks, Celine. I'm, I'm really excited about this five day challenge as well. We both love to do the challenge and, and we're looking forward to doing it alongside you all as it's a great opportunity for us as well to reset our, our, our own make it happen, um, plans. So Aileen, we're going to move on now um, and look and chat about the healthy fast food styles of cooking and food prep. So what is this? And again, why is this important? Well, I think the healthy bit speaks for itself. You know, our aim is always to support everyday healthy nutrition foundations, as well as optimizing our running performance and recovery um, and it's about maximizing the bioavailability of nutrients from our food. Um, and so to do that, we need to prepare and cook our food with care so that we're preserving that nutrient value and then our body can make the most of the food that we're eating. Um, so the fast food styles of cooking and food prep is really to help us be most time efficient in the kitchen um, so that we can have more time to run, to train, to stretch, to recover all the things that make us a good runner. Um, and to be, and also to be able to do the other things that are important in our lives. Because as I said earlier, people find time uh, challenging. You know, we, we never have enough time. And so what time we have in the kitchen, we want it to be super efficient so that we've got time to do everything we need to do, but also enjoy our meals too. Excellent, Aileen. So I think yeah, I think you might have sold that to us. Um, thank you. That's great. Now I remember you sharing lots of fabulous tips and suggestions in episode sixteen, smart food prep for runners. So I'd suggest everyone listens to that as well, just to get some other ideas that build on what we're speaking about today. So what can you share with us today, Aileen, about healthy cooking styles? Okay, so my, my suggestions um, for healthy cooking styles are steaming, um, stir frying, gentle roasting and baking, and slow cooking. Um, things like one pot casseroles and soups would be typical. Um, so if I start with steaming, um, so steaming is really quick and simple, and it's a really great way to conserve the water-soluble vitamins, um, such as vitamin C and B vitamins. Um, and you can use it to gently cook uh, chicken, fish, seafood, vegetables, um, and then the, the sort of grains uh, like rice and barley and things like quinoa. And it all helps retain nutrients and taste. Um, so that's the the reason that we would do the steaming. Okay, so what equipment would you suggest for steaming? Well, um, some people like to use a purpose-built um, steamer, you know, an electric steamer, um, or uh, other people like to use a collapsible steamer tray, so the, like a perforated tray, the kind of thing that you would sit over a pan or a wok or a tray of boiling water. Um, I, I have that. I actually, um, I've got a steamer in my kitchen that's actually built in. I don't use it enough, mainly because it's so huge. You need to be cooking for lots of people. Uh, so when it's just a small amount, I tend to use the, the steamer, uh, collapsible steamer tray over a, over a pan. Okay. So I, I would, I would say that probably stir frying is the ultimate fast food. So what preparation tips do you have for, for stir frying, Eileen? Yeah, well, again, it's it's super easy and, um, you know, you're using one pan, so that makes the washing up and everything quick and easy. But the main things is um, choose a main ingredient 
And then I would suggest just using all the bits and pieces from your fridge and you can use about just anything you want. So, you know, you, you could follow recipes, but equally you could just think, well, I'm going to be inventive and have some fun trying out some new ideas. Um, the main thing is to um, be careful about how you prepare the food. So chop up into small pieces whatever your um, protein source would be. So it might be chicken, prawns, salmon, whitefish, beef. If you're vegetarian, you might want to think about um, tofu or edamame um, beans, or you might even use nuts. Um, and then think about your vegetables. So if you're using fresh vegetables, you might want to be preparing them yourself. And um, if you use, you might also think, well, I'm going to buy a pack of stir fried vegetables because there's lots of those available. And often I find with those, they might be sort of a bit cheap and cheerful vegetables. So you might want to add some vegetables to them to just make them a bit more interesting and give you lots of variety. But the, the veg packs are a good sort of base ingredients. Um, the important thing is to make sure all your ingredients are of a similar size. And that will help the stir fry cook evenly um, and have everything ready before you start to cook. So, um, you know, if, if you can chop things up and have them on a plate or on a, a chopping board and then you, you're all ready to start cooking. Um, then once you want to start cooking, choose either a nonstick wok or a large frying pan. And I tend to use coconut oil. So maybe one or two tablespoons of coconut oil in the pan to start the stir frying. and put the ingredients in that are going to take the longest to cook first. So any raw um, animal proteins like meat or fish would go in first and then hard vegetables. So things like carrots, you know, that are going to take a bit longer to cook and just constantly be moving the ingredients around the pan with a spatula, making sure the food doesn't stick. Um, and then you could add the softer, easier to cook vegetables uh, later on. And then you could, um, as an extra thing, think about steam frying. Uh, so what you do there is once you've started off the stir frying with the coconut oil and, and things are, you know, beginning to cook and soften, you could then add a tablespoon of water and put a lid on the pan for one or two minutes. And that really helps soften the crunchier vegetables and avoid some burning. And also it stops the temptation of putting in extra fat. Um, and that's often quite a nice thing to do. Um, and then for a bit of extra flavor, you might want to add a, a stir fry sauce. Um, so, you know, you can, if, if anybody needs recipes, just um, ping us a message and we can send you some simple ones. Um, if you're using packet sauces, I would just say read the label and make sure they're not too high in sugar. Um, another thing that my well, my sister actually taught me to do this, she's a great one for miso powders. So she sprinkles miso powders or a bullion powder in, and that gives a lovely flavor as well if you've, if you've done that steam frying. Great. Thanks, Ellen. There's some really great tips and ideas in there. So we'll all be making stir fries tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier you mentioned gentle roasting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I, I love to roast vegetables and, and I also sometimes do what I would describe as being sheet pan meals. So that's where you have all the ingredients for one meal on a tray and then you roast it in the oven. And, you know, as nutritionists, we're always telling people not to uh, roast or char food because that um, affects the nutrient value of the food. But you can still gently roast and, and, and still, you know, enjoy roasted vegetables and get 
fantastic flavors and there's lots of lovely combinations of uh, particularly roasted roots you know so you can do things like sweet potato beetroot parsnips carrots squash um, onions and then there's the softer vegetables so things like courgettes aubergines peppers fennel cauliflower uh, tomatoes mushrooms i mean there's no end you can just about use everything um i would suggest it's a good idea to keep the hard vegetables together and the soft vegetables together because that will help the cooking to be more even um and also just turn the vegetables regularly so that avoids the charring or the burning or the overbrowning and just cook until they're soft so you know the the soft vegetables probably 15 to 20 minutes the harder vegetables might more be 30 to 40 minutes depending on what temperature you're cooking at and what size the vegetables are and then I, I just like use them at every meal um, so I'll use them as a side dish for breakfast or I'll add to a salad or as a main or you can even add them to eggs as a frittata you know so many different ways you can use them um, and again it, I would you know sometimes I'll do it uh, with intention so I'll think well I'll do a tray bake or I'll do a, a roast of these specific vegetables but sometimes again it's the thing I do at the end of the week whatever's left over mm -hmm. I will use and then that gives me again a little something to add to my food the following week. Mm. Again some really great ideas Aileen and another form of cooking that's coming to mind for me is baking in parchment parcels so this is really a, a quick and easy way to combine a number of foods together, for example, um, placing a, a salmon fillet on a pile of chopped vegetables with lemon or herbs, and then wrapping that up in the parchment or greaseproof paper and baking in the oven. For It only takes about 15 to 20 minutes, and then serving that with maybe some steamed rice in a salad. And, uh, you know, that's a really good good healthy meal in in a very short space of time and then you can sprinkle the juices from the parcel onto the onto the rice if you wanted to for some added flavor and nutrients so really easy to prepare ahead you can keep it in the fridge and then just pop it in the oven when um when you're ready when you come home from work when you come home from your running um whilst you're whilst you're having a shower and freshening up so that's another easy easy way of cooking so lots of ideas here um Aileen we, you spoke about um sort of roasting and um stir frying and things and you did mention sort of coconut oil but what what fat what other fats do you use for cooking um well my my go-to is always coconut oil occasionally i'll use ghee and both of those are heat stable meaning that they can be used at relatively high temperatures without uh, any um, degrading or um, oxidation of, of the fats um, but I, d I do sometimes use olive oil and that can be good for gentle roasting so for instance when I'm doing my roasted vegetables I'll chop them all up and I'll put a little bit of olive oil and toss them around in a bowl before I spread them out on a tray and if it's gently roasted then the olive oil is is fine for that kind mm -hmm. of job so um, I keep it simple really and mostly you would find those three things in, in my store yeah. cupboard. Yeah. Okay, so just one final question, Aileen, before we wrap up this episode with our key takeaways. Why why do you recommend um, slow cooking and one-pot meals? 
Well, I think cooking lots of ingredients together slowly and gently really helps retain the nutrients and the taste. And they're very easy to prepare ahead. So, you know, you can prepare a leaf in the oven or a slow cook, you know, sort of slow cooker, the kind of thing that you just plug into the wall. Um, and they're perfect for one pot meals. Um, so it's really easy to prepare ahead, quick to serve and eat after a run and great for the winter months too. So, you know, it's, uh, it's all about giving you enough time uh, to do your running. And I think that's a, a really easy way. And, and all, I think all of the tips we've given here are, are really easy to prepare healthy foods and allow you to dedicate your time to running, stretching, doing cross training, whatever it is mm. that you want to do. Yeah, thanks for that, Aileen. I think you have given us all lots of easy ways to to cook a healthy meal, like you say, um, to, to, to give us more time to do the things that we enjoy. Okay, so let's go straight to our key takeaways. What would you say they are for today? Okay, so the key takeaways I would say are, uh, first of all, consider the quality and the provenance of the food you buy. Think about how it's stored, looked after, how it's prepared, cooked and eaten, because that's all going to add up to high nutritional value. Uh, make it easier for yourself by choosing reputable suppliers who've already done the quality checks for you. Um, try to make a change to up to 80% healthy foods in your kitchen and have them front and center. So it makes it really easy for you to make good choices on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, remember you're doing this so that you're prepared and able to rustle up meals and snacks to support your healthy life and also optimize your, your run training. Uh, stock up with go-to ingredients for breakfast, lunch, dinner and running snacks so they're always available for you. And finally, try out some of the healthy cooking styles that we've talked about today because that's really going to enhance the nutrient value of your meals and importantly, create more time for you to do the things that you love doing. Fantastic, Aileen. Thank you very much for, for those key takeaways. And it's been great once again to share this conversation with you. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. 
Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Active Wear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.